0: News Network on Blog Talk Radio. I'm the executive producer and your host, Janine Moloff. Well, we have quite a show for you this week. Just when you thought that the ultra-far-right, alt-right, religious bigots, white uh, nationalists, white supremacists, neo-Nazis, Trump, a uh, GOP party, GOP MAGA, party of Trump couldn't sink any lower than they did. Well, actually, they've been working towards this for quite a while, truth be told. So if you saw our advert, like basically the entire media to varying degrees were talking about the leaked Roe decision that's going to be coming down from Supreme Court conservatives, uh, they're thinking late June, okay? And if you saw our advert, you saw the title very simply says, The leaked Roe decision's dangerous implications, and and the implications are dangerous. This is not merely about, I shouldn't say merely, this is not solely about abortion rights. That's a big part of it, but this is about really not only a misunderstanding of the Roe v. Wade decision itself and its legacy, but also how the mainstream read corporate media, both that favors the Democrats or the Republicans have totally misrepresented what the Roe decision is. All right, so this is something that we're really, you know, going to be talking about because at the heart of Roe v. Wade, Roe v. Wade isn't really an abortion decision. It never was. Roe v. Wade was a right to privacy decision. Basically, what happened was this, when the Roe case was decided back in 1973, the court said pretty much that, uh, (coughs) excuse me, Roe was predicated on the right to privacy, and and it's an implied right to privacy. And within that right to privacy is the right to reproductive choices, including the right to contraception. Yes, it's true, the right to an abortion, the right for gay couples to get married, the right for interracial couples to be married, the right for in vitro fertilization, which does involve basically getting rid of the excess of zygotes that are created, the right to not have the police knock down your door on a bogus warrant because the Fourth Amendment isn't really enough protection. It goes on and on and on. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So this not only does uh, this pending reversal of Roe eviscerate reproductive rights for women, but when you look at this investigation more thoroughly, what you'll see is that many of the other rights that I just spoke about, basically going to be sent off to the guillotine because you don't have a right to privacy. And let's face it, as I said a minute ago, the right to a, the right to an abortion was based on the right to privacy. And all the other rights are on the chopping block. If Roe is reversed, not if, they're going to do it. Basically, the conservatives, the five conservatives on the Supreme Court, that's Clarence Thomas, that's Judge Amy Coney Barrett, that's Brett Kavanaugh, Neil Gorsuch, and, of course, the author of this pending opinion, Samuel Alito. And you can pretty much bet that Chief Justice John Roberts is going to sign off on it also. And these are unelected people. And what, they are, what Alito, especially in the way he wrote this opinion with his cohorts, he essentially, he, he essentially throws away most of the civil rights gains of the 20th century in one fell swoop but he very cleverly put the blame and the responsibility of these rights disappearing on the individual states. You know that old states' rights argument? You know, the same states' rights argument that was used to justify continuing slavery under Dred Scott. Yes, I went there. So all these things, including contraception, could be outlawed. Okay, and that's gonna be next. The right to no-fault divorce could be outlawed. Hell, the right to divorce could be outlawed. We really don't know. But again, we'd all be at the mercy of these insane state-level legislatures. Okay, And if you live in middle America like I do, or in Florida, both legislatures are basically uh, the majority are a bunch of ultra-religious uh, fundamentalists who hate science and hate modernity and i know as a religious minority myself i fear for my religious rights because i'm not christian so let's move on all right so this is the important report that we're going to talk about in just a minute now the next thing um i'm going to mention i know in the advert i said i would discuss how supreme court justices and really all just judges should be forced to make deliberations and actions open to the public. Uh, And I don't mean after they've decided something, but also during and before. Okay, the Supreme Court has operated in secrecy that they have decided they will uh, impose. And again, these are unelected judges. I I think that there needs to be some serious uh, reforms. We'll touch upon that. I'm not going to talk about too much today. there's plenty to talk about anyway. And then finally, we have our Jackass of the Week Award. Now, I know in the advert I said it would be awarded to the organizers and participants of the Tone Deaf Met Gala. They used that theme of Gilded Age. Um, and once again, in the advert it said, I argued that, that the theme was more accurately should have been accurately termed as the Gilded Age meets the Hunger Games 2022. So but I had to add something to it. All right, um, this is something that's going to be familiar to all progressives, but all progressives, but especially those of you in Florida. Something really, uh, just a, a a new ignorant tweet coming from Congressman Matt Gaetz. So we'll end with a little levity. Let's move on to the story. This is an article, and it really summarizes quite well, and it's a piece that was written uh, by Adam Serwer, May third, and it was published in the Atlantic. It has a lot of people that are hypothesizing what's going to happen with this pending Roe decision. I mean, in fact, um excuse me, about to have a a, a disfluent moment. Sorry, folks. Okay. So if you watched any of the the news shows this week, or even today's news shows, like um you know, Meet the Press, or This Week, or Face the Nation. Uh, I know that on This Week they had their little panel of, you know, a couple of people pretending to be Democrats from the media, and then a couple that were clearly conservatives, including Sarah Fagan, who was with the George W. Bush administration. And Fagan really misrepresented things. Okay, she tried to tone this down and say the states will deal with this. This is not going to be that big a deal, yada, yada, yada. We're not seeking to unravel all these with the rights. Nonsense. You know, and they wanted to focus on, as you notice, the media, the mainstream corporate media wanted to focus on who leaked the story. Okay. Who's the leaker? Because, you know, how dare they out the inner workings of the Supreme Court, especially the conservatives, you know who basically have decided to rescind a large part of the Bill of Rights for religious conserv and, and basically make it so the only people that have rights are not only religious conservatives, but let's face it, white Christians. Okay, I said it. It's the truth. So you know, they were focusing on who's the leaker? We have to go after the leaker. You know, there were there was tough so Ted Cruz was literally just foaming at the mouth, you know, like am I comparing Ted Cruz to a rabid dog? Well, no, that would be unfair to the dog. But serious foaming at the mouth and screaming that there should be criminal prosecution. The FBI should come in against the leaker. You know, other conservatives, uh, Lindsey Graham, you know, not Lindsey Graham, a few others were just saying that, you know, this amounts. that leak amounts to, uh, what do they call it, Um Intim- attempted intimidation of the court, and and um, obstruction of justice. Okay, so let's settle down for Let's deal with the bogus story that's been focused on in the mainstream media while they've ignored the important parts. First of all, the person who leaked it, all right, maybe they deserve to lose the job on the court because they broke the rules of the institution. Fine. You know, there's been saying that maybe that person should even be disbarred. I don't think so. You know, was the information leaked anything that compromised our national security? No. Was the information in the leak um, compromising a a criminal defendant's right to a fair trial in front of a jury? No. Um, Did the leak threaten any of the justices of the Supreme Court, even remotely? Well, no. Not at all. Um, did the leak actually halt what the court is planning on doing? Well, no. What the leak did was alert the public to this very unpopular decision. And the justice of the Supreme Court, especially the conservatives, in all their arrogance, just don't like being outed, put bluntly. You know, let's face it. When you go into a courtroom, the judge is the dictator. Let's be honest here. And so if you look at the psychological profile of the average judge or, in this instance, justice, especially if they tend to be conservative, they're not exactly friends to the idea of democracy. All right? So when you break their little rules, they are irate. But by no stretch of the imagination, did the leak constitute obstruction of justice? Okay? It just didn't. And there was nothing that intimidated the court. There was no direct threat. You know, if court conservatives feel threatened by the leak, then that's in their minds and their imaginations. In order for it to be intimidation of the court, there has to be an actual credible threat, which there wasn't. Okay? So in spite of the fact that the, all this fuss about the leak and possible criminal charges, Pure nonsense, this is a smoke screen, folks. <clears throat> this is a smoke screen. Excuse me <coughs> I take out of here <coughs> oh. I'm sorry, the grass everybody's cutting their grass and having a bad bad asthma day. I'll okay, get back to this. The preoccupation with the leaker that false smoke screen, okay because the mainstream media is run by, an, run by corporations. Why would corporations want this decision to come down that really uh, affects, negatively impacts women, uh, get the LGBTQ community, um, religious minorities, uh, racial minorities, why, why would they care? Because at the end of the day, If you have no right to privacy, there is very little, because the Fourth Amendment's already been defanged by laws that happened after 9-11 in the name of of anti-terrorism statutes. So with Roe gone and no constitutional right to privacy, then there's literally nothing to stop basically an impending police state, which is what Donald Trump wanted. Think about it. There's nothing. You have no right to privacy. And when you pair that with the way uh, conservatives and the GOP have pushed, and the Federalist Party pushed this originalist interpretation of the Constitution and textualists, you know, that basically no rights exist unless it looks like a freaking laundry list expressly articulated, then the right doesn't exist. And the powers that be can do what they bloody well please, especially corporate. And corporate really wants the police state because who pays the cops or who pays them more in terms of bribes and graft? corporate. But, you know, you have to think beyond that still. Okay, cause this is a very dangerous decision coming down. You have to realize that this is about negating civil rights, period. The only people from the state legislatures making decisions that would have rights would be white Christian men. That's it. That's behind the whole originalism bullshit that's been pushed by the Federalist Society under Leonard Leo. That's what it is. Now, mind you, these originalists, they they pride themselves on following the letter of the law that they sort of ignored a little amendment called the Ninth Amendment that basically says that all any and other possible rights and freedoms out there aren't necessarily not included in the Bill of Rights just because they're not mentioned. The Ninth Amendment totally makes, totally trashes the whole originalist idea. It just does because what it basically says is Okay, as founders, we didn't list every single right that possibly could be included in a growing society, but we're not saying those rights don't exist. We're saying, yes, they do exist, most definitely. You know, And that included rights like voting rights for women, voting rights for blacks, marriage rights for gay couples, and so you can go down the line. Okay, the Ninth Amendment protects it all, including from state legislatures, that are controlled by a bunch of white supremacist Christian, well I won't say Christian, white supremacist <clears throat> religious bigots. Okay? But you know, once again, that's not what they want. So let's look at this piece from the Atlantic. <coughs> Sorry, folks. <coughs> hmm. I'm really worked up about this SLT, that affects my asthma, too. (laughs) Even though it doesn't really affect me that much as a woman, I'm going to turn 63 this summer. I'm well past childbearing years, but this is about our future. So this is a piece written by Adam Serwer. It ran in the Atlantic this past week. The headline is Alito's Plan to Repeal the 20th Century, and that is a great, a great title because that is exactly what Samuel Alito has with his, co- with his co-conspirators done. He's written an opinion that abdicates the responsibilities and duties of not only the federal government, of the Supreme Court itself, and said, states' rights, we don't have anything to do with that, and hand it right back down to the states. We're going to get into that in a little bit. So, I love this title Alito's Plan to Repeal the Twentieth Century because if there ever was a justice that really despised anybody else having rights other than white Christian males, it's Samuel Alito. He despises it i i, I just and he, you know Samuel Alito's another one that that uh, frosts at the mouth the very idea that there's still racism here you know what what is this saying um, you know you complain too much protest too much? Anyway, let's get into this. So according to this article, it says, the subtitle says, if the conservative, so the title is, let me back up, Alito's plan to repeal the 20th century. The subtitle is, if the conservative justice's draft opinion is adopted by the court, key advances of the past hundred years could be rolled back. i going to read that again because I want that to sink in because this is what it's really about. Abortions are excuse. The article was in The Atlantic by Adam Serwer. You can read it yourself. The title is, the headline, Alito's plan to repeal the 20th century. If the conservative justice's draft opinion is adopted by the court, key advances of the past 100 years could be rolled back. God. And I'm going to add, it will occur. And it will occur in, as I put it, in worship of the false god, a.k.a. a state's rights, taking us all the way back to the world of Dred Scott, where they they attempted to justify slavery. So don't tell me Justice Alito isn't racist or sexist or an anti-Semitic, you know what, because he is, in my opinion. All righty. So, sir, I'm going to read straight this first couple of sentences to you. Quote, if you are an American with a young daughter, she will grow up in a world without the right to choose when and where she gives birth, and in which nothing restrains the state from declaring her womb its property, with all the invasive authorities that implies. End quote. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Translation. Women could be blocked from certain types of employment, theoretically, or any employment, if it's considered that that might damage a future fetus. The same argument could be made to deny women health care if it interferes with future pregnancies, like cancer treatments. Or it could deny women basic, simple freedoms, such as, you know, the right to have a drink in a bar, or participate in sports, using the same excuse, that it might, it might hurt a future pregnancy. Because don't you know, a zygote's a person, but a fully grown woman is not. So, and, you know, the server explained that, quote, that is the significance of the draft Supreme Court opinion leaked to Politico. And so, you know, the case, they, the court needs is, the, let me start again. The court intends to overrule Roe v. Wade and the second case, which is Planned Parenthood versus Casey. These are precedents. Now, mind you, the conservatives on the court, Coney Barrett, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, um, let's see, who's the other one? Um, Clarence Thomas, and yes, Alito. They all lied under oath during their Senate confirmation hearings. We've seen, you can go, you don't have to look any further, go to TYT, the Young Turks with Cenk Uygur and Anna Kasparin, they've been running this all week. And they'll show you the film clips where each one of these future Supreme Court justices was asked, point blank, what will you do about Roe? Will you respect that it's established law, precedent? <clears throat> and every single one of them lied. Now, maybe it was a sneaky lie, but they lied. They were under oath. Last time I checked, if you lie under oath, perjury. If you give an answer that's nonsense, when you've been directed to answer a question, that's obstruction of justice. They're both potential, well, perjury is a felony anyway. Um, They're both reasons to disbar. Why aren't these justices being disbarred? They lied under oath during their confirmation hearings, and we just kind of joke it off, and they're just cynical about it. No, they need to be held accountable. So they want to get rid of this. Now, the chief dictator is Samuel Alito, and in my opinion, he's writing for the Catholic Church, specifically the uh, conservative Catholics. And, you know, this this writer also goes on to say, quote, the opinion itself reads like a fancy press release from a particularly loyal member of the GOP Senate caucus, Um, end quote. Sirward goes on to say, also, quote, Alito's writing reflects the current tone of right-wing discourse, grandiose and contemptuous, disingenuous and self-contradictory, with a necessary undertone of self-pity as justification. End quote. Okay. And Sirward goes on to say something very important. Quote: These justices are doing what they were put there to do. End quote. And they were. Alito, Coney, Barrett. Um, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, and even John Roberts, they were not put on the court because they were the best of the best, contrary to what you've been told. They were put there because they were noted. Religious conservatives, I, I wouldn't even call them conservatives. In my opinion, they are religious bigots that want to push their theology on everyone else. That's it. And Alito has the gall to place himself as a liberator uh, in the same light as those who fought the evil Dred Scott decision, but yet the fact that Alito is, Alito's using the same argument that proponents of Dred Scott used to preserve slavery, namely states' rights. Uh, you know, Alito, Alito is trying to claim that he's trying to get rid of one of the uh, of the Dred Scott decision, okay, or Plessy v. Ferguson. I, I don't know what kind of logical, rhetorical contortion Alito you know, has twisted himself into. Maybe he's just delusional. I don't know. Maybe he's just a goddamn liar. But the fact is, um, this is nonsense. But according to where Alito is using the logic of the plessy Ferguson decision. Now, that's the decision that upheld racial segregation. It's separate but equal. That's equal. And Plessy allowed states to violate the individual rights of people living in that state if they were a certain color quote anyway their legislature's deemed quote reasonable as the opinion in Plessy put it end quote and that's according to supreme.justia.com now basically Homer Plessy argued that the segregation law violated his 14th amendment rights and that the, his rights just because he's black shouldn't be quote, subject to a popularity contest in every state of the union, end quote. Now, Alito describes the restrictive regime, as he put it, that's his phrase, of constitutional protection uh, regarding abortion rights, um, that that's the same kind of safe harbor that Plessy sought. Um, so in Plessy, let me back up a little bit here, it gets a little complicated, uh, Supreme Court Justice Henry Billings Brown decided that Louisiana's segregation law, um, when it came to the 14th Amendment, quote, reduces itself to a question whether the statute of Louisiana is a reasonable regulation, and with respect to this, there must necessarily be a large discretion on the part of the legislature, end quote. Okay, that Supreme Court Justice back then on the Plessy decision, that's a fancy way of saying that even though Clussy said, look, my 14th Amendment laws are being violated as under the 14th Amendment just because I'm black. And the Supreme Court at the time said, ask states' rights, states' rights supersede your 14th Amendment rights. Again, indirect violation of the Ninth Amendment. They don't say, here, I'm saying it. So now Alito took that same logic to abortion, but not just abortion. Alito actually argued that in the future, get this, Alito argued that in the future, quote, courts should defer to state legislatures, quote, even when the laws at issue concern matters of greater social significance and moral substance, end quote. Okay. Now, we talked about the independent state legislatures doctrine maybe a month ago, and I wrote about it in BuzzFlash. This is the same logic. This is basically the Supreme Court with Alito leading the charge, abdicating their responsibility and saying, we don't have the right to decide whether or not this violates the Constitution or all because you're, you're going to have to go back to the state legislature. Think about that one for a minute. Think about it. Now, there was another case. In Louisiana the 1890 separate car act so once again this is what they're dealing with now we have some quotes in this article um, by noted legal experts so for instance uh, an, a law professor at Georgetown University by the name of Addison Francois wants to say the following quote Plessy at its absolute core I'm sorry, Plessy is, at its absolute core, a state's rights case in which the court envisioned a notion of federalism so weak, so toothless, so bereft of substance that the federal government had no legitimate role in protecting black people from states imposing racial segregation upon them. Uh, Professor Fresswell went on to say, quote, this draft does the same thing. It envisions a notion of federalism so weak, so toothless, So bereft of substance that the federal government has no legitimate role in protecting women from states imposing forced births on them. End quote. Now, this is uh, Professor Francois telling Adam Sturward, the writer, this. It's the same principle. It's basically the court, the conservatives of the Supreme Court with Alito leading the charge, dismantling the power of the Supreme Court, ironically and handing all the power of the courts over to state legislatures. Now, I don't know about you all, but I know for a fact here in Missouri, our state legislature has traditionally been the nastiest hodgepodge collection of white supremacists, neo-Nazis, religious wackadoodles that are barely literate, half of them. Now, there are some attorneys in that conservative bunch. But they just make excuses for the rest of them. Keep in mind, Missouri is a state where bestiality is still on the books. is legal. So that's it's going to be handed back to the state, state legislature. So that's what's happening. Alito and his fellow conservative extremists have literally abdicated their responsibility in SCOTUS role, Supreme Court role, and any future adjudications. Leaving us to the mercy of what can only be called the insane clown posse, uh, the insane clown, let me start again, I'm sorry. This fluency is no fun, guys. So I agree with Professor Francois, and basically this amounts to Alito and his fellow conservative extremists just literally abdicating their responsibility on the court in any future adjudications, any future court cases on this subject, which leads us to the mercy of state legislatures in various states that are populated by what can only be called the insane clown posse full of right-wing bigots. Now, if the jurists on the right were actually legitimate, this move by the Supreme Court would be grounds for impeachment of every Supreme Court justice signing off on this because this is a direct violation of the Ninth Amendment. Now, there's a lot of Supreme Court justices that just pretend the Ninth Amendment is no big deal. It's just a little little add-on. But And they embrace the Tenth Amendment, which basically um, says that rights that aren't granted to the government at the federal level are then sent back to the state and then to the people, respectively. But that's the Tenth Amendment. And if you look at the Bill of Rights in order of importance, the First Amendment is obviously the founders thought that was the most important. And the Ninth Amendment comes before the Tenth Amendment and it clearly says that just because we don't have a listing of every right that could possibly exist as we evolve as a people doesn't mean those rights don't exist. The Ninth Amendment saying, yes, those rights do exist. We just haven't, we just don't know how to articulate it yet which to me means in order of importance the Ninth Amendment should very definitely supersede the Tenth Amendment. All right. So this is really what we're dealing with here. This is basically the Supreme Court handing all authority over to individual state legislatures. Not even to individual courts. Like not They're not handing this power over to the Federal Court of Appeals. They're not handing it over to state-level courts or state Supreme Courts. They're handing it over to the state legislature. This is the judicial the head of the judicial branch deciding that we don't have we don't have any business deciding judicial matters. And all on the altar of states' rights. Remember, states rights was the calling card of every white supremacist. States rights justified a continuation of slavery. States' rights was used to justify Jim Crow laws. States' rights was used to justify laws that discriminate against the equal rights of women. States' rights were used to deny the religious rights of religious minorities, of non-Christian populations. But there's more. We have another uh, university professor, Stephen Vladek, from the University of Texas of Austin. He said the following, quote, the majority can't believe that it's only eviscerating a right to abortion in this draft. But the means by which it does so would open the door to similar attacks on other unenumerated rights, both directly by attacking the underpinnings of those doctrines and indirectly by setting a precedent for such an attack. That's a fancy way of saying what I just said. You know, Vladek is basically, he's hes alluding to the Ninth Amendment, put bluntly. All right? I'll read that one again. Vladek's first saying that it's not just that the Supreme Court is kicking the right to an abortion out. Okay? its It's the way they're doing it. Professor Vladek is saying the means, the way the Supreme Court is doing this would, quote, open the door to similar attacks on other unenumerated rights. Again, refer to the Ninth Amendment, both directly by attacking the underpinnings of those doctrines and indirectly by setting a precedent for such an attack. So Vladek is saying two things. He's saying the way Alito crafted this argument, which is really overly broad he's he's literally abdicating the role of the supreme court and handing that power over to state legislatures which will in turn create opportunities that could be considered fully legal depending on what each state legislature says to attack and discard other rights that are quote unenumerated meaning other rights that weren't specific specifically listed in uh, other rights that weren't specifically listed in the original Constitution. All right. Now think about that. Those unenumerated rights not only include equal rights for women, equal rights for racial minorities, equal rights for religious minorities, it includes the right to vote. Right? The right to vote by blacks. Now that's actually covered in the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment, but still, the right for women to vote, even though it's actually an amendment, each state could place restrictions on it. Theoretically possible, because what they're saying is that the Bill of Rights is being reduced basically to, you know, a Bill of Suggestions, okay? Now. Again, Alito made this really specious argument that the only rights are those that are, quote, deeply rooted in the nation's history in tradition, quote, end quote. Those are the only rights that are deserving of legal protection, okay? Now, keep in mind that Alito also failed to mention which history and traditions he was talking about. After all, the history, tradition, and initial wealth of the United States was based on or to use Alito's words, quote, rooted, use the word rooted. The history, tradition, and wealth of the U.S. is is rooted in slavery. So the question is, is Alito implying that our nation's original and most egregious sin, namely slavery, is worthy of respect and constitutional protection? Now, true, the have amendments that say slavery is illegal, but if you actually read that amendment, it says, Slavery's been outlawed except in cases of lawful incarceration. So if you're in prison, yeah, you can be a slave. So slavery really wasn't eradicated. That's why these bigots decided to attack communities of color, especially the black community, and incarcerate them at astronomical levels for non-existing crimes. And according to uh, Vladek, Vladek also went on to say, make a very strong statement. Well, not Vladek, I'm sorry, Serwer. Serwer basically said that Alito's opinion is as, quote, arbitrary as it is lawless. And he's right. Serwer added that Alito is claiming that, quote, there's no freedom from state coercion. That conservatives cannot strip away if conservatives, okay, let me go back again. So Serwer is claiming that Alito is saying that there is no freedom from state coercion, all right, end quote. In other words, he's saying conservatives could strip away anything they want if those same conservatives find that freedom personally, use Serwer's words, personally distasteful. You don't like gay people? They don't have a right to marriage. There's a lot of states that still have anti-sodomy laws on the books. You know, like gay people, it's like, okay, fine, you're gay. We're going to toss you in prison because you broke the anti-sodomy law. Talk about freaking stupid and unjust. But, you know, once again, this is a permission slip for conservative bigots to strip away the rights of everybody except rich, rich conservative, translation, bigoted, white Christian males, and the women that help them. That's what this is about. Now, Adam Serwer, the the author of uh, this article, goes on to identify future rights that he thinks will be targeted for elimination and subsequent criminalization. They're not satisfied with stripping you of your rights. They want to criminalize your existence. And they're following. These are, the, these are the future rights that Sirwer believes will be targeted for elimination and criminalization. One, the right of straight married couples to obtain contraception. I'd go further and say it's the right of anybody to obtain contraception the right of the LGBTQ population to be free from discrimination. You know, that would be discrimination in terms of marriage, housing, employment, um, being able to go into a public restaurant, and so on and so forth. And also other rights that Americans really now take for granted with this outrageous, not, this nonsensical reasoning, any right that conservative bigots don't like, they can take away, and they can get away with it. And you don't have any right of appeal in the courts, because the only the only people that have power, with, as as directed by this decision that's coming down, would be the same state legislatures that basically criminalize the existence of minorities that they wanted to abuse. That's it. That's it. Okay. Now there's another writer for The Atlantic named Kimberly Whaling. She wrote last December the following that there are other rights they need to worry about. She wrote, quote, in a series of cases beginning in the early 1920s, the court carved out a protected space for family, marriage, and children that the government is constrained or kept from regulating. Whaley goes on to say, say, quote, a rollback of Roe could split this fear open if the conservative theory that implied rights are constitutionally invalid takes hold and states begin passing draconian laws that creep into other areas of intimate personal life, end quote. And that was from, um, let me see now, as documented... By the Atlantic.com last December, it was what row could take down. And really, the increasing danger posed by the shadow docket as well of the Supreme Court makes things even worse. You know, the shadow docket, remember, we talked about before, the shadow docket was initially, in the Supreme Court, was initially meant to be like an emergency docket. So, for instance, if there was a death row inmate and they were filing for a stay of execution, you know, to look at other, um, other evidence, whatever. That's what the shadow docket was for. But under the Trump administration and continuing now, conservatives have used the shadow docket to basically uh, bring down rulings that are precedent-setting. Set, precedent and the real danger is the shadow docket is so loosey-goosey they just go in and say, can we have this? And they rubber stamp it. There is there is no, the shadow docket requires no argument, no questioning, no proof, and justices can give permission anonymously. Nobody signs off on anything. Well, if you don't have transparency, you can't hold them accountable. You know, if you can impeach a president, why can't you impeach a Supreme Court Justice. <clears throat> and the, the right wing has used the the shadow docket to set precedents and, quote, nullify constitutional rights rather than what it's supposed to be set up for, which is, you know, the deal with time-sensitive matters, that's all it was set up for. Again, it's documented by TheAtlantic.com. Um, And the shadow docket really did, the use of it by the Trump administration, really did foreshadow what was going to come down the pike with this pending road decision. Okay. Um, And and I'll just say, you don't have to look any further than the asinine and unscientific decisions um, regarding COVID restrictions to see the lack of transparency and accountability. Okay. There were some religious freedom decisions as documented by slate.com. The headline was Supreme Court Religious Liberty COVID Telephone. Anyway, it allowed Texas to, um, I mean, I'm sorry, the religious freedom decisions related to COVID pandemic. These are the asinine ideas where, you know, somehow these people on the right think that if you're being asked to put a piece of cloth over your nose and mouth to prevent transmission of what has been a deadly a deadly virus that has killed nearly a million Americans in two years' time, somehow that's a violation of their religious rights? Nonsense. Show me where in the Bible it says you can't take a vaccine. Show me where in the Bible it says you can't wear a mask or prevent transmission of a disease. Absolute nonsense. But they got a rubber stamp from the shadow doctor. And you can see the outlines of this new legal regimen, okay? Okay. (laughs) Excuse me. One of the dangers of the pending Roe decision is that it elevates alleged religious rights above everyone else's rights. Uh, Because what can happen is that these religious conservatives can say that, you know, that they're they're being discriminated against because of their religion. And then from there, once, once they scream religious discrimination, they'll claim an exemption from any rules that they just don't want to follow, any laws they don't want to obey. In the meanwhile, they're imposing their own religious and ideological views on everyone else. And let's face it, facts. Let's face it, this essentially places white fundamentalist Christians in a position of extreme privilege, Okay. And although right-wing justices are saying that this rule is the language of constitutionalism, it isn't. They're just imposing um, their ideological and cultural preferences on everyone else. They're imposing their religious bigotry on everyone else. Okay? Um, And let's face it, the Roe decision didn't. You know, remember the old saying, you know, if you're against abortion, don't have one? Nobody was forced to get an abortion. Nobody was forced to get birth control. But nobody was forced to give birth if they didn't want to. Nobody was forced to risk pregnancy if they didn't want to. Okay? Now, this is what we're dealing with here, okay? Um, let's move on, okay? So this decision goes further, all right? Um. There's two lines in this decision that mainstream corporate media is emphasizing to say that Samuel Alito wasn't really talking about anything but abortion. He wasn't talking about taking away a right to contraception or gay marriage or interracial marriage or any of that stuff. And these are the two lines. Um, Line number one is, quote, we emphasize that our decision concerns the constitutional right to abortion and no other right, end quote. The other one is, quote, Nothing in this opinion should be understood to cast doubt on precedents that do not concern abortion." End quote. Okay, first of all, why would Samuel Alito make this statement of opinion with no documentation unless he seeks to shield the conservatives of the court? And it's nonsense anyway. And I'm, it's not just my opinion. Uh, professor law, NYU law professor Melissa Murray She called out Alito's stupid disclaimer, those two sentences, which carries no legal weight and Alito knows it. Here's what Melissa Murray, law professor at NYU School of Law had to say about those two statements, Alito's disclaimer. Quote, this is total gaslighting. He knows as well as anyone that these other rights are like Roe, rooted in the right to privacy. If Roe is imperiled because it is unenumerated and not, quote, rooted in our history and tradition, end quote, then these other rights are also subject to challenge. Conservative lawyers are going to eat this up like catnip, and of course they are going to challenge these other precedents, end quote. Now, thank you, Professor Murray, because she put an end to the nonsense you hear on mainstream media. And then, you know, Server goes on to say that, look, these conservatives couldn't have gotten away with this if it weren't for, quote, the haplessness of, you know, their opponents. And they went on to say how these Democratic centrists, which, let, I'm tired of calling them centrists, not centrists. These Democratic centrists, which are really corporatists, you know, they are just paralyzed with fear, you know, they don't want to, um, they don't want to. Irritate anybody. Uh, Server also blames some left-wing critics, to you know, saying that they go too far. I don't know about that, but there is one thing that he says that I think makes some sense here. Uh, Server went on to say, um, "Quote: The overturning of Roe will create a backlash." although not necessarily one that today's Democrats will profit from, given their aversion to conflict, which is a nice way of calling out the Democratic leadership and centrists for what they are, cowards. Sirward goes on to say, quote, a movement will eventually emerge to oppose the criminalization of abortion and the despotisms this draft would create, and perhaps some of its leaders are alive today. Whoever they are, they will understand just as the right-wing activists who worked decades for this moment do that the freedoms enjoyed by one generation can be stripped away by another, end quote. Very true. So now we're going to go on to you know another article about this. And you have to remember, the GOP talking has like Sarah Fagan from the George W. Bush administration. They're trying to tone down the serious nature of this attack on federal law and really democracy itself on this con job which places future states' rights claims as Vanguard and supreme uh, over federal law; it makes federal law impotent. Now, Fagan used uh, the phrase "manufactured outrage." I'm, I'm sorry, Fagan used the the phrase "quote manufactured outrage" today on uh, this week the this week program. And she used a bromide in conjunction with the old false equivalence argument. Okay, the outrage isn't manufactured, Miss Fagan at all and there isn't any false equivalence anybody knows anything about law knows that alito wrote an opinion that is so overly broad that it's dangerous and that alito wrote an opinion that literally has the supreme court abdicating their responsibility and it has the supreme court relinquishing their power and they're handing the power over to state individual state legislatures That's what's happening. So no, Ms. Sarah Fagan, uh, you're wrong. This isn't manufactured outrage, lady. This is real outrage. And no, there's no false equivalence here, baby. And, you know, once again, Fagan was careful to keep the focus solely on the abortion issue while ignoring the fact that this decision strikes down privacy rights. Because, once again, the Roe decision is not an abortion decision. It never was. The Roe decision basically is is a privacy rights decision, and from that privacy rights decision came the right to abortion, the right to contraceptive, well, these other rights as well. Okay. And so, what did Chuck Todd do? He has failed to challenge her at all. What did the alleged progressive members of the panel do? Nothing. Once again. Make no mistake, this pending decision is an attack on democracy itself. It's an attack on the Bill of Rights. It's an attack on equal rights for everybody. And it's an attack on equal rights for anybody who isn't white enough, isn't Christian, and isn't male. Make no mistake about it. And it was this decision was pinpointed with surgical precision to render the Bill of Rights, which deals with individual rights, saying the government can't do things to you, as dead on arrival. You know, the ultimate irony is this pending decision against abortion really seeks to, quote, abort the Bill of Rights itself. Now, excuse me, folks. There's another story here. I have a little more tea. From Bloomberg Law, hardly a bastion of liberal anything but it talks about dire implications for privacy rights and this was May 3rd as well and the headline reads abortion draft raises alarm over privacy and LGBTQ rights and it goes on to say quote unprecedented leaks says conservatives will overrule Roe reasoning could topple other privacy rights from marriage to sexual relations to procreation end quotes this topples it isn't just abortion They're going to go after contraception. Now they go after it. They're going to try and, there's already a couple states that have criminalized abortion, not just for benefits, uh, called it out as murder. Okay? Um, Several states have done that. In Texas and Louisiana, those that assist with an abortion or a woman that they think had an abortion can face the death penalty. Make no mistake about it. This will also affect this whole wish list conservative Catholics. Gay marriage will be in danger, interracial marriage will be in danger, the right to contraception will be in danger, the right to have sex without intending to procreate will be in danger, the right to have gay sex outside of marriage or inside of marriage will be in danger. The rights you have, heterosexual sex, if you're a woman, in outside of marriage, will be criminalized. Think real long and hard about this. This is not about pro-life anything. This is about punishing women, and it's really about criminalizing women. Any woman who dares to be too uppity to want to have control over their reproductive lives. That's it, and there's not, and my father used to say there's nothing that enslaves a woman more than her own biology. Just is, okay, there were some other opinions here according to this article in Bloomberg Law, Columbia Law professor um, and director of the uh, Univers- Columbia University Center for Gender and Sexuality uh, explained, okay. And that person's name is Cynthia Suhu. I hope I'm saying her name right. All right. Kind of hard to read it. All right. Um, and according to Professor Suhu, it says, the her opinion says, the, I'm, I take that back. Okay, I need new glasses, folks. I made a mistake here. The Columbia Law Professor and Director of the Columbia University Center for Gender and Sexuality Law named Katherine Frankie said the following about this pending decision. Quote, this opinion, if it becomes official constitutional law, would be a tipping point in a direction quickly sliding us backwards, really almost to the early part of the 20th century in terms of what the Constitution protects and how it limits state action that trammels what we now take for granted as fundamental rights. Okay? This is what they said. Now, in the draft, Alito says that attempts to, quote, justify abortion through appeal to a broader right to autonomy and define one's concept of existence prove too much. Too much of what? Alito now noted the outcome, quote, does not undermine other privacy decisions in any way because those other rights don't implicate, quote, the critical... Moral question posed by abortion, end quote. I think it was part of that disclaimer, that really lame disclaimer that Alito tried to push. Except what Alito's saying, that's not how the law works. Alito can't prove his point, which is as baseless as the opinions crafted by Chief Justice John Roberts in a similar case the Shelby case. Okay? Uh, John, Chief Justice John Roberts issued just as asinine a decision. The Shelby case struck down the enforcement mechanism of the Voting Rights Act of 1964. And John Roberts basically used his opinion. He he basically said that, you know, racism isn't so bad anymore. Now, did Chief Justice Roberts in the Shelby decision offer any statistical proof to, you know, to document that rates of racism had basically decreased? No, it's just his really silly opinion. And um, zero documentation. Well, Alito's doing the same thing here. Okay, only it's abortion rights instead of voting rights. And it's the right to privacy, let's be honest. DIA, um, uh, you know, the idea that this decision, this pending road decision, doesn't undermine other privacy decisions. How does Alito know this other than his own opinion? That's just not how precedent works. And Alito and the others have built the beginning of what I call a, a new precedent bridge to making states rights the supreme law of the land, and reducing the Bill of Rights to a mere Bill of Suggestions subject to attack by the bigotries of the public lynch mob. Okay? But that's my opinion. Okay. This undermines foundations. Uh, Cynthia Suhu is a professor of law and co-director of the Human Rights and Gender Justice Clinic at the City University of New York School of Law. And she made a similar point. Um, she said, quote, the same arguments that Justice Alito makes against recognizing constitutional protection for abortion can be made about LGBTQ plus rights and the right to access contraception. She goes on to say, once you kick out the stilt underneath row, There's nothing to rest those other decisions on. There's no constitutional foundation for the Lawrence decision saying that criminalizing same-sex sex sex is unconstitutional or the Obergefell decision that says same-sex couples have a constitutional right to marry. So if Roe falls, all that falls. Okay? Let's get it straight here. So... um, Here we have here Dana Nessel, explain, and Dana Nessel is, okay, Dana Nessel is the first openly LGBTQ attorney general in Michigan, and she is extremely concerned about how Michigan's, you know, old laws on the book that are unused could, quote, spring back to life if, you know, Roe was basically kicked out up. Picked under the bus, uh, Nestle said, "quote Once you start to attack the basis for Roe, then I think all those other building blocks start to fall." End quote. Now, I, I'm going to point out the fact that um, there's been this one, um, uh, this one representative here in Missouri that's been at, like at the forefront of attacking abortion rights, attacking contraception rights, and so on, and she is state rep, Missouri State Rep uh, Mary Elizabeth Coleman. Now, she was interviewed on CBS today, and the CBS reporter just gave her a lot of softball questions, you know, And she's just saying, you know, we just you know, you know we, Coleman made the point that the law in Missouri um, does will allow for um, abortions to save the life of the mother and in the case of rape or incest, I believe. The reporter didn't press further, and if the reporter had, they would have known that that is a concession that Coleman and another rep made because the original draft of the bill outlawed all abortions, including uh, to save the life of the mother, even in the case of ectopic or, pre- or tubal pregnancies where the fetus cannot develop ever. It's going to die and the mother's going to die. So again, if the CBS reporter had actually done a little bit of due diligence, they could have actually questioned Coleman. Coleman also has a history of being employed by um, uh, the Thomas Moore Foundation, which is a law firm that eh, basically may as well be an extension of the Catholic Church, fighting against contraception rights, fighting against gay marriage, fighting against um, one of the things that the Moore group challenge is fighting against the right to a no-fault divorce. Again, Coleman's been in their employ. The CBS reporter failed to ask her about that. Now, I called, and Mary Elizabeth Coleman has really been one of the top leaders of this move. In fact, Mary Elizabeth Coleman, don't quote me, I believe she was one of the attorneys that brought a case to the Supreme Court challenging COVID restrictions on, quote, religious rights. Um, and, you know, once again, the CBS reporter, you know, Colm pointed out that Coleman's an attorney. She has six kids. They also point out the fact that Coleman, at one point in time, had employed two nannies. Okay, so it was just a total, and there was no balance. Okay, there was no opposition argument from the CBS uh, reporter. No, no pro-choice person was interviewed. This was just pure nonsense. And really, you know, I put in a call to Coleman's office uh, because I'm doing a piece on this decision that will run in my judicial capture series in BuzzFlash soon. Um, And then what you have to realize also is this is not only an attack on privacy rights, but if you don't have privacy rights, there's nothing to prevent the very police state that Donald Trump wants. The Fourth Amendment's been stripped away, let's face facts, with anti-terrorism statutes since 9-11. If you don't have privacy rights, what's to keep them from knocking your door down? And that's exactly what corporate wants. Corporate wants a stranglehold on everything. This is not far-fetched. It's not hyperbole. They want a stranglehold on everything. And they're going to use the police as their thugs. Just do. And without the Roe decision protecting privacy rights, the police can run them up further than they already are. And without the privacy rights, without the Roe decision, Alito didn't just attack privacy rights. This is a major handover of power from the Supreme Court to each individual state legislature. You could argue that the Confederacy is roaring back seriously so this is really dangerous and a broader impact um, again Columbia law professor Katherine Frankie said the opinion could um, be considered quote a sweeping reassessment of constitutional law generally not just as it relates to abortion or privacy but it threatens to reverse a generation of constitutional rights well beyond those that involve sex and sexuality By taking aim at substantive due process, the idea that certain rights are so fundamental that they can't be taken away by the state, the opinion calls into question a wide range of cases having to do with police searches of your body, forced drug tests, police brutality cases. A wide range of government misconduct also could be on the chopping block in terms of what the Constitution prohibits, end quote. Let that sink in. This is how dangerous this decision is. Okay? So that's kind of encapsulated what's happening with the road decision. We're going to be following this more, okay? So whatever response I get or don't get from Representative Mary Elizabeth Coleman's office, we're going to be talking about it when I publish my piece. In in my judicial capture series on Roe, we're going to be talking about it. This is just the beginning. This is just basically a general overview. All right? So in conclusion, the Roe v. Wade decision, again, wasn't merely a decision which legalized abortion. The Roe decision was predicated on an implied right to privacy in every sphere of our lives, a right to privacy that no court, no president and no state legislature may refuse or criminalize, period. Reversing Rogue will deny the right to privacy, and once that's gone, the framework for, again, for the very police state that Donald Trump wanted will begin. It will begin with state legislatures writing any egregious law they want, including granting police the right to knock down anyone's door with little to stop them, not even the Fourth Amendment. Remember, the Fourth Amendment ensures a right to privacy, within the confines of our persons, houses, you know, against unreasonable searches and seizures, unless police obtain a warrant. But that has to be based on probable cause, except the SCOTUS, the Supreme Court, has already weakened the Fourth Amendment to a cruel joke, so that probable cause could be just because the cop said, because I said so. Make no, and so let's go here. The real danger is how Supreme Court conservatives have abdicated their responsibility by literally stripping the court of power and handing it directly over to independent state legislatures in the name of states' rights. The same garbage argument that was used to justify slavery in the Dred Scott decision. Yeah, I went there. This is a true menace of SCOTUS conservatives, and their thinly veiled contempt for liberal democracy itself. Okay? So that's our Roe story for today. Again, it was a general uh, overview. We're going to be going into it in more depth because, once again, this pending road decision is not an anti-abortion decision. It's an anti-Bill of Rights decision. Make no mistake about it. All right. So I promised that we would end on some levity, and we will do so. So you know we have our jackass of the week uh, awards, and so this week I know in the in the um, advert I talked about the Met Gala, okay, and we're going to give it this this week. The award had to be split between two equally equally uh, ca- equally deserving, shall we say, causes. So now, with no further ado, the jackass of the week. Drrr, boom! I got to get some sound effects here. So the first award, our first jackass of the week award, goes to the organizers and the participants of the Tone Deaf Met Gala. The theme was the Gilded Age, which, given the extreme economic equality of our in, economic inequality of our nation, was beyond poor taste. I mean, let's face it. THE MET GALA WAS A PERFECT EXAMPLE OF EXTREME PRIVILEGE MEETS THE HUNGER GAMES 2022. Uh, THE MET GALA PARTICIPANTS ENJOYED THEIR MARIE ANTOINETTE MOMENT. Celebs, CELEBRITIES WERE DEMONSTRATING THEIR CONTEMPT FOR OUR SUFFERING. I MEAN, WHO REALLY CARES WHAT DRESS KIM KARDASHIAN BARELY WORE? NOW, I'm going to tell you something. That's not slut-shaming, okay? I'm not slut-shaming Kim. If I had that body, I'd wear something like that, too. So I'm not slut-shaming Kim Kardashian. I'm wealth-shaming all of them, Anna Wintour, all of them. People are suffering, and they have their vapid celebration. So to all the organizers, including Anna Wintour and the celebrities that came out, for the Met Gala, congratulations, you have won the Jackass of the Week Award from Progressive News Network on Blog Talk Radio. Now, we have a special case here, and I had to do it. The second Jackass of the Week Award. Um, again, drum roll, please. Drum. i, I like—I I got to get some sound effects here. So the second Jackass of the Week really should be, God, Jackass of the Month, um, maybe Jackass of the Season. And it is awarded to someone well-known in Florida, U.S. Congressman Matt Gates of Florida. Um, So here's the thing. Jackie Crosby wrote a great article for Rolling Stone, all right? Uh, The piece featured this now infamous tweet that was sent by Matt Gates, and it was about all you know the women that were really angry about the pending roe decision and here's what gas gates wrote quote how many of the women rallying against overturning roe are overeducated underloved millennials who sadly return from protests to a lonely microwave dinner with their cat and no bumble matches end quote okay wow that that's I got to take that in, all right. I, is it just a do? Okay, first of all, I don't know what Bumble is. Okay, um, you know, and given Matt Gates' dating history, no allegations, but face it, the dude is under investigation by the FBI for possible, dare I say it, pedophilia activity. But wow, I, I'm directing that that horrible tweet to Matt Gates. Um, Speaking as one of those overeducated women, is that all you got? The old, you ugly bromide? I mean, Mr. Gates, have you looked in a mirror recently? Because, you know, looks like you got this whole son of beavis and butthead thing going on. I mean, think about it, Congressman. If, you know, if, if I'm going to be serious now. If beavis and butthead. Wanted to have a baby in vitro to complete their gay family. You definitely look you definitely look like the genetic heir apparent. Finally, the whole ugly insult. Oh Jesus, it is so junior high. Get over yourself. Better yet, Mr. Gates, do Mother Nature a big favor and get a vasectomy. And that's the end of our program. That's all, folks! With that, I couldn't help myself. With that, I say uh, good night and God bless us because we're going to need it. Um, women, to everybody out there, especially if you're a feminist, solidarity, my sisters.